you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 4, Episode 20. This is the last one of Season 4, so I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is brought to you by Jesus Every Day, which is my latest book running from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you will be praying your way through the Bible. And I just hope that you can pick up a copy and enjoy it this year. I pray it blesses your year. Also, um, today's podcast is brought to you by Patreon, which is you, where you support the podcast. I'm so grateful for those of you who've chosen to support, and everyone who does from a dollar to $20 a month, even more, uh, will receive an original art piece by me in their inbox. So that's my thank you to you. And if you could take a little moment to, if you have been blessed by the Restory Show, I would love it if you could share a review on iTunes. That would be great. That would really help more people get the message. And maybe you have a little story that you would like to share with the Restory listeners. You can go to marydemuth.com and on the, I think it's upper right-hand side, you'll see a little microphone icon. Click on that and you can share your story for up to four minutes and we'll tack it on to the end of an episode. Today, I am welcoming Heather Dixon to the Restory Show. She has an amazing story of loss and chronic illness, and she doesn't know what the future holds, but boy, is she holding on to Jesus. So I pray that her story would bless you. Hey, everyone. It's Mary from the Restory Show, and I'm so excited to have Heather Dixon on with us this week. Heather, thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So tell the listeners a little bit about how you grew up and who you are and give us a snapshot of your life. Yeah. So um, I just turned 40. So this has been a big year for us celebrating that. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. I grew up here. I met Jesus when I was 12. I did not grow up in a church home. We went to church on Easter and on Christmas and that was it. But um, my mother died when I was 11. And so we, well, we didn't know why. Um, it was just, um, she went into the hospital and the doctors couldn't fix her and she died there. So, you know, for most of my life, we, you know, we just understood that she died from this really weird and random and unknown disease. So after um, she died, one of my really good friends in middle school um, invited me to church camp. And that is where I met Jesus. And I knew that, you know, I had this huge hole in my heart from her death and knew that I needed him as my savior. And and so um, that's when I committed my life to him. I said, yes, you know, I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. And so from that point forward, um, my aunt, my mother's sister had stepped in to raise me. And so I grew up with her and, you know, went to youth group at church and got really plugged in there, went to school, went to um, college in Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and majored in music and led Bible studies there, got plugged in with a Christian fellowship there and kind of cut my teeth there on um, teaching Bible study when I was in college, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, of course, I don't, I don't think any of us did, but, you know, we were just <laughs> there willing to study God's word together, right? And then I met my husband. We met at a Christian camp for kids and did the newlywed thing. And we had a, um, our son was born in 2006. He's 10 now. His name is Thomas. And he, he's a hockey player and is pretty much keeps me at the rink for um, most, almost every day of the week. And I worked in the full-time world for a while and then worked in, uh, moved 
part-time and went to um, teaching yoga. And then um, in 2015, I had a a lot of different medical events kind of um, cascade and happen. So the short story is that I was diagnosed with vascular Ehlers-Danlos, which is a genetic connective tissue disorder that makes my blood vessels, arteries, and organs prone to spontaneous rupture. So, so yeah, so that, that, that's, you know, the, the brief snippet of my story for where I am now. So after that diagnosis, uh, the, you know, I couldn't teach yoga. There was not a lot that I could do, but you know, my sweet grandmother, she said, well, girl, you can write. <laughs> like, At least you can still write. So that, that's what I do now. I, I write and um, speak and, and share that part of my story. Vascular EDS is incurable and, and terminal. I, although I don't really like that word, but it is because there's no cure. There is also a shortened life expectancy attached to it. So that's been, you know, a really big thing to process. But but, but that's what I do now. I write about that and encouraging other women to to live courageously, you know, in their faith. That is, it's amazing to hear just that transformation. And, and does that have anything to do with the story that you want to share today with our listeners? Yeah, it does. I kind of so, thought so, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I kind of probably blended into to what we wanted to talk about today. But but yeah, so I guess about two months before all of those that that diagnosis happened, I had um, God God told me to get ready. I mean, I was sitting out on my back porch, and it was you know during my morning quiet time, and and you know He had several years prior to that He had led me to just this place of obedience of um, you know just getting up early in the morning um, before the sun rose, before my boys were up, and you know, just getting out, and just being in His Word and spending you know a, a decent chunk of time in His Word. And I remember my husband coming out on the back porch and saying, "What what are you doing out here?" The sun isn't it wasn't even up yet. It was like four thirty or something. I was like, I don't know, but this is what God is calling me to do. And so, you know, fast forward a few years, and I'm sitting there on the back porch again. And in you know that prayer time, I heard him say, "Get ready." And I didn't audibly say the you know hear those words, but you know how the Holy Spirit just kind of places things on your heart, and you just want to pay attention to it. So I, you know, it's like I, I'm gonna I want to confirm this. Like I hear you, God. I need to confirm this in your Word. And so I looked up and researched the first two times that the words "get ready" appear in in my translation. When I read from the NIV translation, it was the Bible that my grandmother gave me when my mom died. So yeah, it's, it's actually a kids, it's an NIV translation, but it's, it's a kid's Bible. So there are these cute little kids pictures and it's first and it's adorable. And it's just a normal NIV, but it's, it's still a children's Bible, but I still read from it because it's just been with me for so long. So in the NIV translation, the first two, uh, the first time those two words appear in the book of Joshua in, in Joshua chapter one, God tells Joshua, you know, get ready because you're about to lead the Israelites into the Jordan, uh, across the Jordan River and into the promised land. And, you know, there's this huge unknown ahead of you, but I'm going to be with you. And, and he lays out all these promises that are really beautiful and kind of spends the next uh, few chapters in Joshua preparing the Israelites for walking into the promised land. So, I, I, you know, at that time, I really had the sense that, that God was preparing me for something and that uh, I didn't know what it was, but I just, I really felt like that this is something I really need to pay attention to. And whatever this get ready message is, like, I just, I, I need to really plant this deep in my heart. So I, I spent the next two months really studying those first five chapters of Joshua. And 
just um, you know, noting the commands and the promises and the and the, the places of obedience that God called Joshua and the Israelites to, and how they responded, and you know what the promises that God made during this very much of an unknown time for the Israelites. And two months later, I had a miscarriage, which we knew about. Um, that was not an unknown. We knew that was coming. I I had, um, when God, you know, when I started this whole get ready study thing, you know, I I. The doctors had told me that we had lost the baby, but I hadn't actually miscarried. So we knew that was coming, but I still felt like, you know, there was something bigger. So I had the miscarriage. Um, one month later, I had two aneurysms and a kidney infarction. And then, and I like, try telling your eight-year-old, you have a kidney infarction. Mm-hmm. You're your old son. Yes. Mommy, mommy had a kidney infarction. Laughter for days. Yes. So I had that um, and then was misdiagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And then one month later, my carotid artery ruptured. (gasps) Oh, my. How does one live through a carotid artery rupture? Uh, with much divine um, intervention. It is is a life, it is an urgent and life-threatening matter. Uh, Yeah. Um, The crazy... Yeah, the crazy thing is, is that I, I, like, I didn't really, I drove myself to the hospital. Yeah, I, I didn't, I thought maybe I'd ruptured um, an eardrum or something. And, and I mean, the, the physical part of it is, is crazy. I mean, there's definitely things, like, I, I knew something was really, really wrong. But I was still, I guess, just with the adrenaline, I was still functioning well, but deteriorated rapidly once I got to the ER. So they repaired that. They shoved a bunch of platinum coil into my head to kind of block it. Essentially, they had to create um, a clot, you know, because the, you know, your artery is just, you know, flooding into, it was a flooding into my sinus cavity. So they created this clot and the surgeon that did it, she was from Europe. And she said, you know what, I I think we're dealing with something else here. Um, She said, I don't think you have this autoimmune thing. I think you have, she called it collagenosis, which was the European uh, term for it, I suppose. So she said, I I think I'm going to recommend you to, you need to get this genetic test done for vascular Ehlers-Danlos. And she, you know, took some of the medical history, which before this, five years prior, my colon had ruptured spontaneously. And the doctors never pinned it on anything. We just thought it was stress and they, they called it a foul ball. It's just a fluke. And my son was born premature, um, had, you know, premature labor. So they're starting to piece together all these things. Um, in addition to my mother's medical history and the mis- her death. And, you know, so all of a sudden, all of these things in this two month period after God told me to get ready started to kind of come together. You know, it's almost like all the big things in my life were on the very tip of this arrow. And God was about to make some sense from it and, and, and unleash that. And so I did the testing. And of course, it came back positive. So I feel, you know, after saying all that, all those things that I experienced, you know, I feel really strongly that it was the Holy Spirit warning me uh, when he told me to get ready and drew me to the book of Joshua, uh, that he really, he knew that this was going to be some serious stuff to process. Vascular Ehlers-Danlos is a nasty diagnosis. And essentially what it is, is you have, you know, the body makes collagen. It's a protein that the body makes. Collagen works like glue. And collagen helps to hold the body together like glue. It's a connective tissue disorder. And someone with vascular Ehlers-Danlos or any of the other manifestations of Ehlers-Danlos, they just, their connective tissues just don't work properly because their body doesn't make proper collagen. So everything is just super fragile and and, uh, doesn't hold together well. Um, and that means that there is a promise of major medical events and um, and there's no cure. You know, we talked to the doctor after the diagnosis. We're like, okay, great. We've got this diagnosis. We know what we're dealing with. What do we do? Um, 
and we were met with really uh, kind and compassionate, but very silent eyes. And he said, there's, he's like, there's, there's no research, you know, there's no cures, no medicines to take. He said, just prepare your bucket list and live your life well. Oh, my. Wow. So, so all of those things, you know, this is just points to the graciousness of our God in warning me about that. Because had I faced, you know, the the medical events, one, and then the diagnosis and the ramifications of that without having these truths that I had just studied from the book of Joshua, I mean, I... I, I I don't know that I would have come out on the other side of that okay. Uh, so, um, you know, once the diagnosis was, we processed it and still are. I mean, I say we process it, but that's something that you just process on a daily basis. But I started uh, my blog and online ministry and I started writing a Bible study. I, I took all these things that God had taught me to kind of get me through that and turned it into a Bible study because I, you know, I know that there's, there's women out there who, um, you know, are looking into their future. It's all the unknown. You know, anxiety was kind of, was a big thing for me during that time. And I, I taught, you know, prior to that, I taught yoga for a living. I mean, I taught 11 classes a week and workshops on the weekend. And I mean, I, I taught people how to live stress-free lives for a living. And then I was smack dab in the face. I had a crash course in anxiety uh, with all that. It was, uh, you know, panic attacks and just learning to trust my body and so, you know, I just I know that the thing about anxiety and anything that is the unknown is, you know, anxiety manifests itself in a million different ways. But at the heart of it, it's the fear of the unknown. But if we can take our attention to the known of what we know about God's character and the promises that he gives us, uh, which are, you know, Joshua, that first chapter of Joshua is just loaded with promises. Um, you might can find the courage to step forward into the unknown holding on to his promises and be okay with that. So, you know, that's the story that I that I've been on and you know, I love your, you know, your ministry about restoring things and God has been um so faithful to kind of turn our pain into something precious. So, so yeah, so that, does that answer your question? It does. All the questions. So, when you started writing about your Bible study or as you were blogging, what kind of response were you getting and how did that encourage you? Yeah, so we we found pretty quickly and surprisingly, because I, I'm a total introvert, really, really comfortable behind the scenes and behind the computer. Um, and, you know, we started, friends of mine actually started sharing pieces of our story on Facebook. And uh, of course, people were responding in prayer because we were deeply in need of prayer. Um, but we found that people were really responding to the story itself, not because they could necessarily identify with a terminal and incurable connective tissue disorder, because uh, that in itself is pretty rare, but they, they could identify with the fact that the, the, the inherent gospel message in the story that we all live with, and it's this, is that there's no cure for us on earth except for Jesus. You know, I mean, whatever we're walking with, whatever we carry on this earth, the brokenness that we walk with and, and the things that we've experienced in our past or whether there are decisions or decisions that have been made for us or by those around us, uh, it's broken. I mean, this world is broken. And I think it takes a lot of courage, great courage to live in the broken world. And they, you know, people would recognize uh, the story that, you know, well, there there is one cure. And his name is Jesus. And that that kind of started to resonate, you know, with people that, you know, well, they, they they might not see the terminal disorder 
um, in my story. They might not resonate with that, but they resonated with the fact that, that Jesus can and will get you through something like that and also turn it into something that is really, really beautiful. You know, and we, we've, we've learned how to live with this perspective of gratitude in every day. I mean, life is just so precious. And I mean, when you've been told, you know, your life, the average life expectancy is 48, you know, 50 years old. My mother died when she was 37. So, you know, when I say I just turned 40 and that was a big year for me, that's why. Uh, just knowing that I I passed, you know, her time on earth. And then when someone tells you that, the realization that life is just super, super precious. It's it, it just everything just has God just has blessed us with just an overwhelming sense of gratitude about everything that we have in every moment that we live. And that's a gift. So people started, you know, I, I think that is what they resonated with. It's just the fact that, look, we, you know, we're all given a certain number of days on this earth. Uh, that's no different for me or you or anybody else. How do we live that with courage and how do we live that um, with gratitude? So that's what people started responding to for sure. So as you when you first heard this news, I know you said, well, good. Now, what's the cure? And your <laughs> secondary news was not as what you would want it to be. So how, how did you feel in that moment? How did you process that? I'm sure you cried. I mean, I, most people would cry. but <laughs> it, it was definitely a grieving process. And it was a process. I had, I think, you know, the, the carotid artery rupture ha happened in November of 2015. The actual diagnosis happened in January of 2016. And I kind of knew, I, I really didn't allow myself until around December to start to learn and gather information about what vascular EDS actually looked like. But I kind of already knew and I could see it in my friend's eyes because they had already done the research. They had already Googled everything, which oh, wow. and if you Google it, yeah, there's not a lot of information on Google, actually. And quite frankly, some of it out there is incorrect. So mm. um, which is true of many things on Google. I'm sure. 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 Um, but but I can kind of see it in their eyes. So, uh, you know, I think it was I, I want to say that God was really protective over just where my attention went during that time. So like from the month of, of November through much of December, I just didn't go there. You know, it's like I was physically recovering from major surgery. Christmas is coming. I want to celebrate this time with my family. Um, and then I, I didn't really allow the ramifications of the full diagnosis hit, to hit me fully until, you know, January. And those were dark days. Like I'm going to be completely honest and candid and say that those were just um, really, really dark days. I set an alarm on my phone every single hour that I was awake to pray because I could not make it past 60 minutes without having a mental emotional breakdown or a physical panic attack. It was, you know, every, every physically, everything in my body, anytime anything twinged or, or felt wrong, you know, I mean, what you, when you're told that your body just doesn't, doesn't hold together well, you think that your body's falling apart. And I remember having a, a precious neighbor send me a message and she didn't even know that I was dealing with this, but she said, uh, I, I just want you to know that God has impressed it upon my heart to tell you not to be afraid to move. You know, and so just that alone, she's like, I'm praying that over you, that you just will be be comfortable and just moving, uh, which was such a blessing to me because I, you know, was pretty much confined to a recliner for a couple of months. Um, I mean, I could get around and move okay, but I was still uh, pretty weak. So the physical component of that 
combined with the emotional component of just this fear and anxiety and the grieving process of knowing that and my son at the time was eight. So, you know, I could I couldn't even be around him for, you know, without crying, you know, and, and it, it just I would just have to get up from the dinner table and just excuse myself because it was just it was a grieving. It was like watching your entire life just kind of disappear in front of you. Every, everything that you expected about life, I won't say your entire life, but your expectations. We all have expectations about what we think we deserve or what life is going to look like. Um, and very quickly, I had to let those go and um, and just start to, you know, re-wallpaper my mind with instead of expectations with, okay, this is what I have today. I'm thankful for today. And, uh, you know, the process, I, I say that, you know, I say that I re Paper, I re-wallpapered my mind with gratitude, but I say that only because it was the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, the, and Jesus's compassionate love in allowing me to do that. Because look, I have completely fallen off the deep end over harder things in my life. You know, I mean, my dad died when I was 31, suddenly from an, a car accident. And that, I mean, rocked me, rocked me to the core, um, to the point that I, I left the church over it. I left, I mean, I left my relationship with Jesus because I was like, I'm done with death. And I'm just so tired of being defeated. So the fact that, you know, that, that I can say that Jesus brought me to the other side of this hardship, um, okay. And in one piece is really a testament to his grace and his grace alone, because I have certainly lost it over less in my life before. So when you when your father died tragically and such a surprise, especially with an accident, and you walked away from the church, what brought you back? So um, this is so sweet. I was just telling somebody the story um, yesterday, which was nice because I hadn't really revisited it in a while. I'm glad you asked. I think a couple of things. Number one, my husband was faithfully praying for me. I mean, he, I mean, he knew. I mean, there there were times when you know, he, he was going to church without me. He was taking my son and I just, I was like, I'm not going to church. Can't, can't be there. Uh, and so I think, you know, he was very faithful and praying for my return into relationship with Jesus. That was, that was one thing. And the, the bigger thing is that Jesus is a really fierce pursuer. There were things that started happening in my day to day that really, you know, I couldn't couldn't really explain, couldn't really articulate. And they were just, you know, coincidences that turned into me questioning, okay, is is God trying to speak to me? Did I do I have this all wrong? You know, have I been believing lies about myself or about, you know, about what this world holds about death? And, and the answer was yes. I mean, they were all, all lies. And so, you know. Jesus just started showing up in places. And and, and I won't say, I mean, I, I should rephrase that. I started paying attention to where he was showing up to. And there was a moment in church, you know, we only, I would go to church on Easter because I, I mean, I grew up in the church and I, you know, I had a deep and personal relationship with him for most of my life. So I couldn't bring myself to not attend on Easter Sunday. So we go to church on Easter Sunday. My son is there with me. Um, he is five at the time, and the pastor was t- I was reading this story in the Gospels of where uh, Mary sees Jesus in the garden. He has been crucified and is risen, and he shows up in the garden, and she finds him there, and she does not recognize him because she's so overcome with grief and bitterness. And um, and so she she thinks he's the gardener. I mean, she sees him. He's right there in front of her. I mean, just all this time, he's right there in front of her, and she doesn't even notice it because she's just so sad and so bitter and so grieving, and that's just where my heart heart had been uh, over my dad's death for, you know, for, for several years. And then he calls her name and, and 
he says her name says Mary, and she recognizes that it's that it's him and, and that uh, it's it's her savior. I mean, it's Jesus. And so we're sitting in in church, you know, reading, uh, listening to that story. And my son whispers. He takes my my children's Bible that I had been reading from them. My grandmother. And he, he takes it and he shoves it up in front of my face. He says, mommy, don't you see? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And it was just, I mean, it was like words from my son's mouth straight from Jesus, you know, to into my heart. It's like, don't, Heather, don't you see? He's been in front of you all this time. How have you missed this? Um, and, for, and, you know, after that moment, it was really a flood of, you know, me saying, okay, I see you. I want you. How do we restore this? You know, how do we, how do we get this relationship back? You know, um, and after, right after that was when God called me to obedience and to his word. That was, that was when I started the free sunrise, you know, quiet times because it was part of it was a hunger for like, I just needed to be in his word and to hear his voice. I needed so much of it. And, you know, part of it was just, it was literally just a place of obedience where God just said, I, you know, I'm going to fight your enemies for you, but I need you to do this. You know, you just need to be with me here. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I told my husband, I said, we're, um, God's calling me home one morning. I never forget that moment. I walked out on the porch. He was out there reading and I stepped outside and I said, honey, I need to tell you something. And he said, what? I said, Jesus is calling me home. Um, and he stood up and, you know, a huge hug. And of course we're an emotional mess and we, joined a new church and went to therapy together and I went to therapy and, you know, we just started taking steps to restore what had been lost. And God's really, really quick to, to flood us with compassion and healing. Um, when I was telling my friend this uh, yesterday, I said, you know, that looking back, it's really surprising to me to see, because I, I made some really stupid mistakes during that time. And it was you know, really surprising to see how quickly God restored things that had been broken um, because of my distance from him. But but he did. I mean, that's and that's just how gracious he is, you know, that, that when we recognize our distance from him and our separation from him and uh, we're willing to to step back into that relationship, then he's really, really swift to heal. And he's just he just is such a healing, compassionate father. I love that. And I love the journey, even though it's been a hard, hard journey. So as you think about like someone else that may be going through facing something unknown, like you have, what kind of advice would you give to someone in that place? Sure. So there are a couple of things that I that I like to whisper to myself in the mornings or in those moments when uh, when I feel anxiety creeping in or when I feel just the ramifications of my diagnosis feel very when that feels very overwhelming. I remind myself, number one, that I mean, the truth that, that held me steady while we were walking into those scary things that were very much the unknown, the, the uh, the procedures, the diagnosis, the tests, it was it was all just this really big, scary unknown. But I knew because God had warned me, you know, because I'd spent so much time in those first few chapters of Joshua, I knew all those promises that he uh, that he had given. And, you know, the, the the first one that most people would recognize is Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I won't forsake you. I'll be with you wherever you go. And I knew that he was with me. I knew that he was not calling me to a place where his feet had not already marched, that I, I was not walking into 
it, it may be uncharted territory to me, but it wasn't to him. So that that was that's a truth that, that kind of resonates and repeats itself through those chapters of Joshua. You know, that God is kind of going before us in everything that we're doing. Uh, so whatever it is, you know, you may be facing in the unknown, to remember that you know God has already been there. He has ordained it. Um, you know, he he has been getting ready for things since the beginning of time. And, you know, this message, you know, I keep talking about Joshua, but I mean, that's, it's really, as you study the Bible, it kind of pops up all over the place. Uh, this message of readiness and preparation. And, and you see that God has been preparing things before we can even think about being scared about the unknown. And that feels very comforting, you know, to realize that, uh, that, that it may be unknown to me, but it's not to God. And I think there is, there is a security in knowing that, even though death may come tomorrow, I mean, that that's a very real um, fear for those with vascular EDS and, um, you know, any any illness or disorder that, uh, you know, threatens your life. You know, terminal is a word that has been used to describe it, but I really, I don't like that word because we're all terminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 100% of us. You know, I, right? None of us are getting out of this alive, uh, on earth at least. Um, I, I just happen to know probably a little bit more about how I'm going home than the average person. So, you know, just it's a perspective ch- shift, just realizing that, you know, the terminal is is a mindset. It's not a reality that God really has ordained every single day of my life. And so I don't have to fear the unknown that's in front of me because I know that he's in control over all of it. Those are those are probably two of the biggest things that I carry with me in the morning, or, or when I when I, you know, think about the unknown, about what's you know coming coming ahead of me, and just you know like, and it's what I said at the beginning of our conversation. You know, okay, our minds can wig out on the unknown. Like our brains have a lot of chatter, and you know, we it can just kind of be the snowball of what if, what if, what if, what if, and if we can you know just have the the awareness to just stop that take our attention to what we know about God, then it, it's, he's usually pretty quick to calm that and, and give me the courage to say, okay, well, we're just, we're stepping forward today. Just one baby foot in front of the other. Um, and the other thing, the last thing that I would, that I would say to someone who is facing the unknown is just that, that, you know, this is not about taking giant leaps. You know, we're, we're not about, um, you know, making these huge, broad changes. Um, facing the unknown is about putting two feet on the floor in the morning uh, on a day that you don't like your story. It's about putting one foot in front of the other. And that's really all God asks us to manage. You know, I mean, he's not asking us. We don't have to have, we're, we're never going to figure out all the details in the unknown. He is just asking us to just put one baby step right in front of the other and to keep walking and follow him. And then, and that takes away some of the the overwhelmingness of it, um, of, of the, the snowball effect, you know, it takes away the snowball effect just to say that, look, my, my job is just the baby step and I can do that. I can do a baby step. So those are some of the things that bring me a little bit of hope and encouragement in those scary moments. That's really good. And as you look back, um, you've already kind of shared some of this, I'm sure, but how is how has God restoried you in the past 365 days, in the past year? How has that sh- story shaped and changed a little bit? Gosh, there's a lot of things. I think uh, the first of which is is just what he's doing with with 
ministry and what I'm doing with, um, you know, with, with my blog and the, and the Bible study. And, you know, I wrote the Bible study for my turtle sisters. Uh, it's my, it's my small group of women that I meet with in, in my home. We call ourselves turtle sisters because, uh, that's how we, we kind of all turtle up and, you know, protect each other and, and keep each other faithful and, you know, walking forward. And, you know, so that, that was my next step. I was like, okay, I'm going to write this for them. And then I taught it at church and, you know, that was, it was a summer Bible study. We thought we would have 10 women. We had 50. Uh, so, you know, there, yeah, I mean, there, there are things where God is just kind of taking obedience and turning it into blessing uh, and, and taking not, not even so much obedience, but taking pain and turning it into blessing. I mean, the, 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 I think this Bible study was written from a really deep valley, um, but God has been really faithful to kind of flip that uh, completely upside down and turn it into a mountain peak uh, for us and for our family because it brings us great joy. Uh, you know, my, my husband would would say this too. It brings us great joy to just to take you know walk along someone someone and take their hand and say you know what let's let's walk this this valley together and come out on the mountaintop. Um, I think the other way that that he is uh, kind of restoring it is. It's just this perspective of bucketless living, which has become really special to our family, especially this summer. Um, I mean, I think it started when when the when the doctor told us uh, prepare your bucket list and live your life well, and you know that kind of started these wheels turning of okay, well, what is my bucket list? And we really started being intentional about it uh, over the past year, past six months to a year, and just making decisions that we really would have taken more time to make in the future. Like uh, we took our son to a last minute trip to Disney World, like in 48 hours, we decided we're going to go to Disney World this weekend. We didn't tell him. We picked him up from summer camp and drove down to Florida and surprised him the morning of decisions like that. We would have never made that decision, you know, a year, two years ago. But just this concept of, okay, well, how, how can we live our lives you know, honoring God and, you know, making memories together, um, celebrating time with family and sharing, you know, the joy and the love of Christ with others. You know, how, how can we make those decisions in a, in a daily, uh, in daily living? I mean, that's our bucket list. I mean, that's what our bucket list has turned into. Um, but more often than not, it's, it's like, it's not the big things like the Disney world trip or, you know, big, big travel things we might would take, but it's in like, you know, my son, like I asked my son, what do you want to do for your bucket list this summer? And he's like, well, let's eat thin mints and watch a movie on the couch and snuggle. Okay. And that is just as precious as the Disney World trip to us. You know, so it's those kinds of things. Like our, our bucket list has turned into, let's take this day. We're waking up on this day. I've got two feet on the floor. I'm putting one foot in front of the other. What can I do today to make a memory? That's our bucket list living. And, and you know, we're finding that that sweetness is in, I mean, there's a sweetness in just celebrating the simple things and just these simple gifts that we give and buying Icy's on a Friday afternoon or, uh, you know, going to the pool or, you know, planning a play date. I mean, small things that we really don't think about being precious, but they are. And and that's just, just a perspective shift that God is restoring in our in our brains, you know, that this is life is precious and we can bucket list every single day uh, and it'll be a really beautiful, joyful thing. And I never thought that I would say thank you um, for having vascular Ehlers-Danlos, but I, but I, I almost do. And I, and I hesitate saying that because I just I want to say that with compassion over anyone who is struggling with cancer or, uh, you know, or terminal illness, because I look, I know it's it's hard um, saying thank you for that type of thing is feels really superficial. Um, but 
but I, but I am thankful for it because it's given us this perspective shift of we can really easily determine what is important and what is not. And that's a gift. Uh, it's, it's a really big gift. I mean, things we can, we can tell what, what mat- this matters. You know what? This does not matter. Uh, and that's a huge blessing. So we're, we're thankful for that and thankful for the way that God is kind of restoring uh, our perspective on um, living and thankfulness and gratitude and good stuff there. And that's a beautiful way to end and such great advice for anybody anywhere at any time. <laughs> I think all of us could resonate with the fact that life is a gift and it's meant to be lived with joy and gratitude and no, no matter what, you know, has come your way. So thank you so much, Heather, for just being vulnerable and open with this story. I, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a, I can't wait for people to hear it. It'll be great. Thanks for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, we all carry things in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts that we probably don't need to carry. I pray that you would help us unburden ourselves with those things right now. And I pray for those who are particularly hurting um, in their physical bodies today. I pray you would lift it, lift the pain, and I pray you would send people who would be emissaries of hope because boy, it can be lonely to suffer. And I pray that you would bring not companions like Job had, who kind of made fun of Job, but the kind of companions that stick closer than a brother who listen and who are kind and who uh, bear the weight and bear the burden alongside. So thank you for that. I also pray for people who are struggling in their careers, who don't know what's next, who maybe are jobless or um, stuck in a dead-end job and they don't know what's how to even cope with it, I pray for supernatural strength today, that you would show them that you're even there in the midst of that frustration, Lord. Would you lift their heads? Would you lift their countenance? Would you lift their perspective? Turn um, their sadness into anticipation of what you will do. Lord Jesus, we want you to be creative in our lives. We don't want to prescribe to you what you should do to make us happy. Instead, we want to wait in surrender and with expectancy of what you are going to do. So help us to live in that kind of holy expectancy today and this week. I pray all of this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. If you would like some more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four dash 20. And may you live a brand spanking new story this week.